Well, you've heard us talking for several weeks now, or a couple of weeks leading into this, and even weeks prior to in the Reflect series, just building up to a day like today. And I know that hopefully today is only the beginning of whetting your appetite for more to come. And there will be home fellowship groups. There will be so much more. You'll be getting information actually in the mail this week uh, that will hopefully give you a lot more, again, downloadable information. But this just whets your appetite. And again, Flint co-representatives and, and uh, as well as Polk Stanley representatives are here uh, to meet and to talk and to answer questions after the services and so forth. And, you know, it, it, it's this bit of a dance that you have to do in this process. And, and I think the, uh, the, the theme of trying to envision the future and taking whether it's a child on the front of your bulletin this week and, or, or it's an acorn or it's a, it's a, it's a seed, seed of pumpkins and, and you take that and you, and you look at that, can you see the future? Can you see the pie or whatever it may be? And, you know, these are in plentiful supply right now in your yards and in mine. And uh, as I think about this acorn, I've kind of been, uh, been just, it's been on my mind a lot and, and actually did a little bit of research this week to find that, that this acorn or acorns have inspired people even in an arts community. Uh, it was interesting that even in Roman architecture, they actually built into their structures at times, not all the time, but an acorn-shaped design. Uh, you have to go figure that one out. I, I don't know. I don't get that much inspiration from that little nut. But uh, then even in Celtic and Scandinavian uh, cultures, they've actually find the, you'll find these in motifs uh, of sorts. And so it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting thought that an acorn would would bring that kind of inspiration. And, and then if you even go to Westminster Abbey in London, England, you will find inside the structure of this beautiful cathedral. You'll find an acorn. Now, what is all of this about? This inspiration of an acorn and, and so forth. I think, you know, that may be true of an acorn that you find it in Scandinavian artists, uh, or you might find it in the Westminster Abbey. But I don't really think that that was the design of the acorn. Uh, when God actually designed the acorn, he actually wanted it to be something that gave life and nourishment. If you don't believe that, look at the squirrels in your backyard right now going crazy over these little babies. And they're packing them away in their mouths and they're packing them away in the trees and they're hiding them away. And this will give them life into the future. This will give them nourishment. But it's not just squirrels. I didn't realize that until just this week. But deer eat these and bear eat them and, and uh, uh, see pigs eat them. Different animals eat acorns. And so, again, I think back to the fact that the acorn represents nourishment and life. It's a part of its makeup. And I think about the church. The church may inspire people into art. It may, it may be a beautiful motif inside of a inside of a Westminster Abbey of sorts. But the church wasn't designed to be a beautiful steeple. It was really designed to bring nourishment and life. Nourishment and life and to sustain life and to add to life. And That was really the design of the acorn. That's really the design and the DNA of the church. It's why God thought it was so important that when He sent His Son and He was getting to prepare Himself to lead this place, Jesus said to his disciples, I will build my church. I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build it on the backs of you. I'm going to build it on your beliefs. I'm going to build it on you guys. You guys are starting this out. And again, I think about the church today and what has become today in our minds is so much a building. And it's not a building. It's the people. And so, as again, I said last week, I say again this week, it is not about the steeples. 
that may inspire and bring inspiration to people. It's not about a beautiful cathedral. It's about the people. Now, the steeple may be a means to the people. It may be, a, it may be an avenue, just as an acorn may be, uh, may be an inspiration to some, but it's really a source of life. It's a source of nourishment. And so when I think about the church today, I hope that we think about it in the terms of an acorn. We think of ourselves today in the terms of an acorn. That, that, that truly we see ourselves as a part of the nourishment, a part of the life-giving part of our own community. Now, if you have your Bibles, we find in the book of Joshua. We've been there, and we'll stay there for this month. And, and just a quick review, because I know people come and go. People are here one week, and they travel maybe the next week. And uh, I don't want you to miss this, because this actually lays the foundation for our entire series through the book of, of Joshua. And it's this, this, this parallel, this 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 metaphoric parallel that we're, that we're creating as we look in the book of Joshua and we look at the people of Israel, then we look at ourselves. And you look at the book of Joshua and you think about Grace Point Church as we celebrate on a Friday our 10 years of, since our launch, and, and we think about that 10 years ago. And what was that first 10 years look like? I think it looked like a lot of Moseses in our house. There was a lot of Moseses that made up Grace Point Church in those first 10 years. I think that they were the people who believed even when they couldn't see. That's a Moses for you. Moses was told to lead the people of Israel out of, the, out of Egyptian bondage, out of, out of this superpower to a place that nobody, not even Moses, had been to, had lived in. To this promised land out there. But God had said, this is what you're to do. And so Moses, Moses believed even when he couldn't see. And I, and I wrote, wrote a number of text messages and emails and phone calls to our founding members this week just to say thank you for believing even when you couldn't see it. I thought of you when I thought of Moses. But then I, I want to talk to the Joshuas. And the Joshuas are in this room today. Some are Joshuas and some are not Joshuas. I hope you're going to be a Joshua. I hope that you will see what Joshua saw and heard what Joshua saw. Because what Joshua heard last week, if you were here in chapter 1, is, is that Joshua heard a calling from God to rise up and to be a leader. He, he was a calling by God to be a leader and to fill some very big sandals that he had to fill because Moses was dead. And it was time for Joshua to arise. And this, this room needs to be full of Joshuas who will say, hey, listen, I may not have a position, a title, uh, 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 anything. I may not have a name tag. There's cool name tags out, out front. I may not have any of that, but I'm willing to be a leader. I'm willing to take on leadership. I'm willing to lead out and be a voice into this. I, I, maybe, maybe that's you today, and I hope it is because leaders is what we need at this point. Leaders, they, they show strength. They show courage, and that's exactly what was challenged to Joshua again and again and again. And that strength comes hard because of the high pain tolerance level, a high pain threshold that you're willing to say no to some things in your life that you want to say yes to. And that's the pain that we'll have to go through if we're going to be Joshua's in this room and into the future. Is that we're going to say, I want this, but I, I want that, and I deserve that. But you know what? I know something, I know someone who deserves and needs it more. So think about it. Are you a Joshua today? That's what strength is. Courage. Do you have it? Faith in action. Faith in motion. Do you have it? And then also we talked about the Jordan River. The Jordan River was our current circumstances what we're currently facing. Because even though they were promised Cana, even though they were promised the promised land, 
even though it was theirs for the taking, they had a big issue. They had a swelling, swirling, churning Jordan River that was passing, swollen banks. And they had a challenge that they had to cross before they could ever get into Cana, before they could ever deal with the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the other sites that were there. They had to deal with the first issue. The first issue was the Jordan River. And I think we have got to understand that, the, the, as you will see here in just a moment, in Joshua chapter 3 is where we'll be, you'll see that for three days they sat there at the Jordan River. For three days they were looking at the river and watching the waters go by. They were listening to it at night. Maybe they even pitched their, 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 their tents back a little bit further away from the river. I don't know. For fear that they might, the river might rise a little higher and swoop them into it. But for three days, they sit there and they heard the water rush in front of them with, with violence almost. And we think about our present challenge. So we have an overflowing banks that we've got to deal with. And before we can take the promised land, we've got to deal with that. And the, here's the thing you've got to understand. When we talk about this campus expansion, we talk about millions of dollars, when we talk about everyone in, when we talk about all of us doing this, Every single one of the Israelites had to cross the Jordan. It wasn't just Josh, go across. Everyone. And so everyone has got to be in this. We've all got to be on board with this. And I, and I really hope that you're, you're just preparing your heart and asking God to prepare your heart for what is ahead. And I know it's all new and it's all downloaded. And here we keep going with this. But at the same time, it's not crossing rivers. God's not trying to make river rats out of us. It's, that's only a means to the end. This facility expansion is only a means to the end. A people business. Building people is what we're about. But here you're going to hear me say this again and again and again. Before we can think of building more people and developing more people, you've got to think about it like this. We've got to prepare the container before we can fill it. We've got to make space. Before we can... Fill up, bring people in. We've got to make space. And again, again, if you were here last week, I know there's space next to you right now, but you've got to look at the whole big picture. You've got a room of 45, a room designed for 45 children that have 80 children in. That's not, that's not healthy. That's not good. And we've got to be able to address that as a church. So here's the challenge to us today. And again, you were just with the people of Israel. Last week we looked at Joshua being called to be the leader and having strength and courage. Today we look at ourselves, are we a Joshua? Now we're looking at the Jordan River. What are we going to do? We're camping on the Jordan banks. What are we going to do as we look into the future? How are we going to cross this river? Am I ready to cross this river? Am I ready for the challenge? Am I ready to rise to the challenge? Let's look at Joshua chapter 3 and jump into this story. Six verses here, follow along as I read. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel, they lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried in Levitical priest, by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you of about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may, uh, in order that you may know the way you shall go. 
for, listen to this statement. I love it. It's such a challenging statement for you who've not passed this way before. Some of you have never gone where we're about to go. Some of you have never experienced what you're about to be challenged to experience. You've never passed this way before. For some, every time a church starts talking about buildings, they start looking for other churches. And you run from it. Uncomfortable with it. I understand. You've never passed this way before. So what do you do with it? Here's where Joshua says. Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. Now I want to give us two challenges today to see if we are ready for the future. Two challenges to see if you are ready and I am ready. We've got to make sure we're in alignment on this. We've got to make sure we're on the same page. Now, what does that alignment look like? There's two ways. One is that we need to let go of the controls. We need to let go of the controls. Whenever the 11 spies, excuse me, whenever the 12 spies went into the promised land, they came out, they said, no, we're not going to go in. Ten of them said that. That we're going to stay here in fear. They were totally in control. Whenever they were complaining about the food, whenever they wanted God to give them this, and they wanted to go back to the land of Egypt, and they wanted to get rid of Moses and have their own leader, what, what? They were in control. But right here we see a challenge before us, and some of them could get to the Jordan River, and they could have easily said, no, I want, I want out of this gig. This is not for me. And the key is that you're never going to experience the other side unless you let go of the controls. I don't care what the other side is. As a church, we've got to let go of control. In your, own, in your own relation, let go. In your own job, who's, who's calling the shots? Who is calling the shots in your life and in my life? You have the officers of the camp going through the camp in verse 2 and 3. And it says, and he commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant. What's this ark thing? This ark is a very important part of the Old Testament. Again, we're not hitting verse by verse, chapter by chapter as we go through Joshua. We're hitting theme by theme. And I would do Joshua an injustice if I did not talk about the theme of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a valuable piece of furniture. It's mentioned 25 times. 25 times in the book of Joshua alone, more, only other book of the Bible that mentions the Ark of the Covenant more is 1 Samuel and 1 Chronicles. And they're historical books and even more, more in content of history. But you come to the book of Joshua and you find in that narrative, you find the Ark of the Covenant is a key part of the story. What's the Ark of the Covenant? Well, it's not a very big piece of furniture. It's a 27 by 27 by 45 inch piece of golden laden furniture. But the contents of this furniture was pointing to the past works of God, such as the Ten Commandments and other elements that made up that. And what it was, it was they were carrying into their future everywhere they went the works of God of the past. It was beautiful. Aaron's rod, beautiful. All a part of these elements that make up, that, that make up the Ark of the Covenant. And here it is, this, this instrument that they're not to move until the Ark moves. And when the Ark moves, they are to move. This instrument represented, this piece of furniture, not an instrument, this piece of furniture represented God's abiding, guiding, and enriching, enriching presence. 
Whenever you saw the ark, it meant God was with you. These cherubim that overlaid the, the, the ark and then also right where underneath the cherubim, as you can see in the photo there, that was the mercy seat of God. It was believed that God rested and abided right there on the mercy seat. This is important. I mean, you just study the history of, uh, of God's movement in the Old Testament and you'll find the Ark of the Covenant as a major player. Now notice this again. They say, don't move. Don't move your feet. Don't take up the stakes of your tent until the Ark of the Covenant moves. How do we let go of the controls of our life? How do we let go of the finances of our money, of, of, of our planning? How do we let go of our careers? How do we let go? How do we move forward in life and let God be in control of our movements? Well, here's a couple of points that I think we need to make about this. Three evidences, if you will, of when you lose control and God gets control. All right? In your life, does God have control or do you have control? Are these evidenced in your life? When you go, or uh, you go when God goes. Notice that in verse 3. In verse 3, he says, I commanded the people, or they commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, uh, God, your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. When God's ark moves, you move. If God's ark doesn't move, you don't move. He's four, if you're here three days or, or three months or, or three years, you don't move till God moves. And I think there's something to say about that in our life. Is God moving around us? If God's moving around us, we need to be moving with Him. We don't need to be lingering behind. We don't need to be debating the movement of the ark. We don't need to be debating, is this a good time, Levitical priest? <laughs> is this a good time for us to cross the Jordan? No. When God moves, we move. We move on His time when He moves. And we move immediately. Number two, evidence to whether or not God's in control or you're in control. Well, one is when God moves, are you moving? Number two is you go how God instructs you. How? There is important elements to the how, all right? Are you doing God's plan your way or His way? It is important. Notice this. They said, you need to stay behind this 2,000 cubits in length. They were down to the cubits, all right? They were down to the measurements. Stay behind the ark. Go with the ark, but stay behind the ark. Now, 2,000 cubits was 10 football fields, 10 football fields to be behind them. Half a mile. Stay behind the ark. Don't, get in, don't move in front of that. Don't linger too far behind that. You stay behind that. You go with it. You go. Listen, we need to stay close to God. We need to hear His voice, and when He is moving, we need to go with Him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Says it like this, looking steadfastly on Jesus, the leader and the completer of the faith. The leader and the completer. Is God moving? Are we watching Him? Are we staying in step with Him? How and when He begins to move. Now hang with me on this. You think, this is so abstract, Mike. Hang with me. I'm coming here. I'm going to land this plane in a minute. Number three, you go where God is working. You go where God is working. See, I want to just, this has nothing to do with expansion of facilities right now. What I'm about to say, okay? The key question you ask God is not what's God's will for your life. Okay? It's, that's not it. 
I've had people ask me, what's God's will for my life? It's not, that's not the question. The question is, is where's God at work? The question is, what is God doing? Because whatever God is doing, that's what you do. That's how you know it's God's will. I mean, you find out where God's working, and you go with that. You find If the ark doesn't cross the Jordan, don't cross the Jordan River. Don't try to swim across. Don't try to paddle across. Don't do it. But if it crosses the Jordan River, you cross the Jordan River. You go where he is, what he's doing. Here's a life principle for you. God's movement is your invitation to join him. When God begins to move, when God begins to shuffle, when God begins to work, then you get in on what he's doing. And whenever you think about that, when you think about that, God's, even Jesus' modus operandum while he was on the earth, and Jesus, okay, he's God, okay, his modus operandum when he was on the earth was not to find out God's will for his life. Jesus' modus operandum when he was on this earth was to look where God was working and join him. Where's God working? He joined him. Don't believe me? Listen to his own words. John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said, The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only see what he he can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus did what God was doing. Jesus, being God himself, did not go out on his own as a rogue revolutionist. He went where God was moving. He had spiritual sensitivity to this. It's very important. The single most impactful Bible study I have ever done, and I believe every believer needs to do, is knowing, uh, is knowing and doing the will of God, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. That's the, the title is Experiencing God. The subtitle is Knowing and Doing the Will of God. Absolutely, hands down, the most important Bible study, life-changing, that I've ever done. Because you know what he will emphasize in his own words? Is you move with God, when God moves, how God moves, you don't do it on your own. It is you're going with God. It's not God's going with you. So we got to be asking the question today, as Grace Point Church, as followers of Christ, in marriage, in family, in relationships, on jobs, where's God moving and how can I get in on that? Henry Blackaby said in his study, he says, find out where God is moving and join Him. That's the will of God. When He moves, that's your invitation to be in on His movement. So where is God? When is God moving? How is God moving around Grace Point Church? And you might, you might think this is a bit strange or it was a stretch a few weeks ago whenever I started talking about these big, hairy, audacious goals. These big, hairy, audacious goals that we talked about actually came out, bubbled up from what God was doing in our church. Listen, I would love for God have called us to some sandy beach unreached people group on the oceans. Instead, he just gave us hot sand in West Africa. I would love that he would have sent us to an English-speaking nation. I would love that he would have sent us to non-Islamic nation. I would love that he would have sent us to something a little bit easier than West Africa. I would have chosen Zambia over West Africa. But God was up to something, and he had been up to something, and we saw God up to something. And so that big, hairy, audacious goal that God would lead, that Grace Point Church would, would lead a charge to see the Bombra people move from unreached people group to a reached people group, that was, that was something that didn't come out of my own thinking and dreaming and planning. Because, again, I would have gone somewhere else. 
God was up to something. He's been up to something. Whenever the hundred, over a hundred volunteers go into to a village and you see this village that had four animistic followers. And I would say animistic followers of Jesus. They were barely believers. They were more animist believers. Worshipping spirits and sometimes praying to Jesus. They didn't know which end of the Bible. They had never even heard of Adam and Eve. And yet our church continued to go and send over 20 teams over the past four years, over 100 volunteers, about 116 volunteers, every year, four and five times a year, and a church was born. And not only one church was born, but three and four other preaching points are being established where they're going and they're sharing the faith. God was up to something. And I would have chosen somewhere else, but God was doing something there. So I don't get to choose. I go where God's moving. And that's where we are today. And I even think about the missionaries that are over there. And I even think about uh, Brema, one of, the, one of the Malian missionaries. And whenever we were there back in June, kind of closing out the village that we had been in, the K village you've heard so much about. When we were going back, it was interesting when Brema said this, no village in Mali has seen, and this is through a translator, no village in Mali has seen in four years what God has done in K-Village. God is up to something, and we get to be in on it. That was the first big, hairy, audacious goal. The second big, hairy, audacious goal, if you remember, was that Grace Point Church will lead the way in alleviating orphan needs of children in northwest Arkansas. Now, again, I thought of a lot of different things. I thought of how we could go in and, 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 and just wipe out illiteracy. We could go in and feed any hungry people. We can open up shelters maybe for people. I, I thought of different things. And then I just looked at what God was doing right here in our midst. And family after family, I'm telling you, it doesn't happen once a week. It happens twice a week where a family will come up to me and say, you know what, we either can't have children and we're going to adopt or, or, or we have children but we have empty beds and, and so we're going to foster. Or we're, we're about this, this whole orphan's care needs and we want to be a part of this and we don't know what that means and looks like but it is amazing to see what God is doing right here. So it would have been wrong of me to lead our church to not take care of the orphans when God is already raising up people in our own congregation. But there's a third big, hairy, audacious goal. That is, it's one of those that we just got to face the music, guys and gals. And that is this, that we need to create sufficient space for us to raise up worshipers and disciples of Christ in this generation and beyond through our campus expansion. I, do, I said it last week, I'll say it again this week. I'd much rather do something else with my money and my time. I was exhausted in our last campaign. I come to you today and I want to say, this is not something I rolled up my sleeve and said, I want to do this. Uh-uh. This is something, it's a need. It's something that God has been adding to our church. And for us not to respond to what God is doing is, I believe, missing what God's will is. I'm going to stick my neck out and say that. God has been adding, and if we don't respond by making space, we're missing out on something here. We've got to move when God moves, how God moves, where God moves. It's, it's when the ark moves, we move. When God moves, we move. We've got to respond like that, whether we feel comfortable, whether it's easy, or it creates pain and, uncomfort, and discomfort in us. 
I remember one time I was playing basketball, and I could hold my own on a court. I was in the starting five. I'm, I, I, I can. We our, our team won won conference champions. We were oh, excuse me, we were second uh, place champions, and it was second place champions. Can you be second place champions? We were second place. Um, we anyway, we, uh, we 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 were pretty good, okay. And uh, I was in the starting five, and it was a post, and and I got the rebounds and got those easy baskets when you can't miss them. They're right there, and uh, so you know that's that was my that was my position. And the coach, can you believe it, took me out of the game one time. I got so mad. There was no reason for him to take me out of the game. I went to the end of the bench. I sat down there. My my rear didn't fit that seat. It had never been on that seat the entire year. All right? And he put me on the bench at the end of the game. I'll set him right. I went up to Coach Smith, and I said, listen, I'm through. I quit. And he looked at me like that. He said, okay. I wasn't ready for that. I was ready for, like, uh, arbitration. I was ready for some kind of negotiation of a contract. I was ready for something like that, and he didn't give it to me. He said, okay. And so I thought, okay, he'll sleep on it tonight, and he'll call me out of class tomorrow, and he'll talk me into staying on the team. He didn't call me. He didn't call me. In fact, he actually instigated the counselor to call me to rearrange my schedule because I couldn't go back to that class any longer. Long story short is I had to eat crow. I had to go to him. And I had to say, Coach, I was wrong, and I'm sorry. You're the coach, and I'm not. And he reminded me of that. You know what? We need to realize, I'm not the coach. You're not the coach. He's the coach. And we're just the players. And if he tells us to come in, go out, if he tells us to give up, to give in, then we do it. That's just a part of letting him be the coach in our lives. Are you going to let go of control? Are you going to manipulate, rationalize, and figure it all out? Follow him when he moves, where he moves, how he moves. Number two, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Notice this, that he said, you've never passed this way before. You've never gone here before. Well, guess what that means? That means you need to go and do this. You need to go, Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For tomorrow, will be, God will do wonders among you. What does it mean to get ready? What does it mean to prepare yourself? It means that we need to clean out and clean up our lives. We need to clean out and clean up our lives. We need to get things in order. Consecrate yourselves. Get things right. Don't hold things back. Don't be duplicitous. Don't don't be half in, half out. Don't be lukewarm. Be all in this game. Listen, get a passport. You don't own a passport? Get a passport. You're not ready for the Great Commission if you don't have a passport. You're not ready for Mali or any other place in the world. Be ready. Be thinking. Hey, God, you're up to something in this world. I want to be a part of it. Number two, count the beds in your house. Count the place settings at the table. Think about that. Think about opportunity. Maybe you say, I can't adopt right now. I can't foster right now. Be a big brother. Be a big sister. Make time in your life and space in your life. Prepare your finances. Because the Jordan River that we're going to Cross is going to cost. It's going to cost. And we've got to prepare our finances. Consecrate yourself. Clean out, clean up. You may clean some things out of your out of your budget that's been there and it's just been taking up and it's all been fluff. I, we developed something uh, about a year ago called the ABC budget. I really want to encourage you. If you've not done that, it's good practice even if you don't implement it. The ABC budget 
is where you go into your money, you take your allowance, your, your, you take your, your income, and you determine what is an A, an absolute. Okay, what is that A in your life? What's the B? The B is the basic comforts. Not, and listen, not everything. Your season tickets to the Razorbacks, not an absolute. I'm sorry. Absolute, if you don't know what an absolute is, come with me to West Africa. You'll narrow your absolutes down. An absolute is an absolute, okay? You've got to have it or you can't live. Okay, I'll give you food and water. Anything, clothing, okay, I'll give you that. Anything beyond that may not be an absolute. Think about it. B, basic comforts. How many cars? Really? You have to have that many? I mean, that many homes? That many timeshares? Really? I mean, is that a basic comfort or is that an absolute? Think about it. You've got to start doing some hard thinking if you're going to consecrate yourself, make room in your life for that. And then the last, the C, is comfortable living. These are the items that you need, or excuse me, the items you want for comfort. Thus, that's where the season ticket Razorbacks come in, all right? These are the things you want. Now, is it wrong to have comfort? No. God's given us all things to enjoy, the Bible tells us. You can enjoy all things. But whenever God's work is suffering, whenever the mission is suffering, Whenever something is suffering and I have to feed my comforts, there's something wrong with that. And I'm just being point blank. And I'm not going to look at your budget. And I'm not going to be the judge, the jury, because I have to look at my own. All right? But I think we have to be real honest with ourselves. A, B, C. I've got about 20 copies of the ABC budget in the back that you can start filling out. If you don't, if we run out, shoot me an email. Just say, Mike, send me the budget. Mike at gracepointchurch.net. I'll send you an Excel spreadsheet. You can plug the numbers in. It'll do the math for you. But do this, this dirty work, this hard work of preparing yourself. Clean out and clean up your life. This is a week of preparation. That's all I can say to you. We've got to prepare ourselves. Number two, and I'm through, anticipate jaw-dropping work of God. Jaw-dropping work of God. Notice what he said in in verse 5. He said, Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. God is about to do some wonders among us. Those who are part of it will get to experience it. They will get to experience it in ways I don't know. So hold that thought that we uh, thought we had on the acorn. A quote was given to me this week that I've got to give you. Ralph Waldo Emerson said it like this, The creation of a thousand forests is in one acorn. Is in one acorn. You think about that. The creation of a thousand life change is in one of us. If we're an acorn. A thousand. Are you going to be an oak? Are you going to be one of those that's going to be strong? You know what? The, the, the disciples, they could have stayed by the, by, by the River Jordan and they could have had a beautiful garden because there's plenty of water and they could have splashed it up on their squash and they could have had a beautiful squash. It only takes 40 days to grow squash. It takes 40 years to grow an oak. We're in the business of growing oaks. I want to be planted, and I want to grow oaks. Isaiah 44, verse 14 says, He chooses the cypress tree, or an oak, and He lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. Let's lose control of ourselves. 
Let's let God be in control of our money, our time, our talents. Let's let, let's let, let's let our God plant us and watch us bloom into a forest. It's strong. It's reproducing. It's making a difference. We ended our service last week at the time of prayer. We're going to end it again this week with a time of prayer. We've got some, we've got some oaks collected from our local yards. Uh, that If you want to come by and grab one of these, grab it. Stick it in your pocket. And every time you touch it for the next month of October, this month of October, think of yourself, am I an oak? Am I, am I, am I reproducing? Am I bringing nourishment? Life is my money. It's my time. It's my talent. I want to invite our leaders. I want to invite our, our members. I want to invite our attenders to come and pray with me here. Let's ask God to prepare our hearts for what's ahead. Let's pray together.